You're listening to Double Exposure with Sophia Lemon and Petro, a show by photographers for photographers, a show dedicated to photography and business. Today's show is made possible by Camera Canada. Shop online for your equipment at cameracanada.com. And here's Petro and Sophia. Welcome back to episode five of Double Exposure with myself and Sophia. And Tank, who graduated from puppy class, uh, and uh, he got the nerdiest smile in his photo. Uh, <laughs> it was freaking adorable. Uh, I'm going to post that in the show notes or uh, on our Facebook uh, page for everybody to see. And that's really what's new with me. i uh, still working on that house and um, trying to squeeze in a shoot here and there. Did a couple of photo shoots and uh, looking for time to edit. Any volunteers? Uh, Sophia? <laughs> are you asking me to edit for you or are you asking me what's new? <laughs> yes. Okay. I don't really want to edit for you. I don't really have time. Fine. And despite that, I don't have a whole lot that is very new. But what I do have is we have a bunch of reviews on iTunes. Yay. Amazing. Yeah, really awesome. Amazing. So we're rated on iTunes now. That's really cool. Um, yeah, I didn't really know it took five reviews just to show up. I know. So lucky for us, we got six. But you guys are awesome. So I have a few of them here that I just wanted to read. So yeah, first, them. from Alexa, I'm patiently waiting for more. Gets me through a work day. A+. Plus. And if you know me yes. well, I like getting A pluses. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the next is from Debit Petro. I believe you know uh, who this person is. Yes. Yeah. His real name is David. David. Um, <laughs> David. David. Um, David Beaton. Uh, all the way from the U.S. of A. Oh, nice. Um, nice, eh? Uh, funny story. David was my student in Sarnia and... Um, he adopted that nickname because when my mom says David, it sounds like she says debit. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so uh, I can't help it, but a lot of people who um, whose name was David, they just automatically assume that nickname. <laughs> That's what, is, what does David have to yeah. say? So David said, these two give juicy insight into the business of photography from a pro- professional perspective. Serious photogs of all skill sets will find the content of Petro and Sophia's podcast incredibly valid, valuable, and relevant. Absolutely hmm. worth a five-star rating. Throw these two into your ears and soak in their experience via osmosis. And I absolutely love how he wrote that. <laughs> no, yeah, that's, a, that's, that's an awesome. awesome review. He sent me a note uh, saying he really enjoyed the podcast. So it's good to hear. It's good, it's good to get the feedback both uh, in personally and uh, on iTunes. It, Definitely. It, it means a lot. So we have, we have a few more, but I have one here from Branded David Photography, who I think we have talked about briefly on the podcast, yeah. actually. Um, and he says, great stuff. Keep it coming. Is there going to be more of a schedule for release in the future or just when each episode is ready? And the answer to that is we're releasing on Wednesdays, correct? Wednesday. Yeah. Correct. So every Wednesday, there will be a new episode out. We record before Wednesday. We do record before Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> And then edit, and then write show notes, and then ah, lots of dropboxing yeah. happens. This episode is unique that uh, we sort of recorded it remotely, and uh, you took you took over the the interview portion of it. But uh, I'm actually really excited uh, for this guest, and I want you to tell us about it a little bit about him, rather. Sure. Our guest in this episode is Drew Dudley, and he is the founder and CEO of Day One Leadership. Drew is a leadership expert. He works with large companies to help their leaders improve their lifestyles by living the values that they really want to embody. And he will share a little bit more about what he does in our interview. I think it's really important that everyone listen to this because what we did is we took some fears from our subscribers and I shared them with him and he goes over some ways that maybe you can deal with those fears and get past them um, when you're starting your own photography business. So an interesting point, here's an example of how we're getting you involved. Um, every time we ask you for feedback or for uh, to answer some questions, this is really just to 
not just to, but this is really to uh, reconnect with you and uh, give you the content that you want to hear. And uh, I had a little bit uh, of a listen to this. I actually want to be just as surprised as all our listeners for the full episode. Um, and I got to admit, for the 30-second clips here and there that I heard, I was very, very interested, very uh, engaged um, into, into the conversation. So I, I can't wait to hear the whole thing. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I think I learned a few things. And you will find somewhere in the middle of the episode that I challenge all of our listeners um, to write down some questions that they're going to ask themselves daily to be sure that they're doing what they want to be doing in life and in their careers. Um, Mm -hmm. And I want you all to post those questions in the comments for this episode on our Facebook group. You can find our Facebook group at doubleexposure.show slash Facebook. And if you want to be one of the people uh, who leaves a really nice five-star review, it's doubleexposure.show slash iTunes. Exactly. Yeah. We'll be reading more of those on the show. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, Sophia, I think it's time for uh, Drew. Hey, Drew. Hey, Sophia, what's up? Oh, not a whole lot. How about you? I, I am doing pretty well. It's a beautiful, sunny fall day here in southern Ontario. Is it sunny? Because it is definitely overcast here. Yeah, well, it's always better where I am. Oh, of course. <laughs> so, Drew, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Like, who the heck are you and why should our su- subscribers listen to you? I uh, run a uh, company called Day One Leadership. I'm the former coordinator of leadership development at the University of Toronto. And six years ago, I left to start my own company. A little bit after that, I did a talk that went viral on the TED website and have spent the better part of the last six years traveling around the world and working with individuals and organizations to create value-driven cultures of leadership. And basically, the simplified version or the not put people to sleep version uh, is this. People are more committed to their jobs, they're happier when they do them, and they are better at them when they have clarity on what their personal values are and they get to live those values through their work. But most people actually can't identify their own personal values. And even if they do, they have trouble defining them and identifying the ways they live them every day. So I help individuals and companies make it more likely that people will get to be the people they want to every day at work. And my argument is that if you create a plan to do that every day and you actually act on that plan, that is leadership. And we've defined leadership very narrowly. We tend to think of it as being about titles and money and influence. And my argument is there is a form of leadership to which we all can and should aspire on a daily basis. But it's one thing to just say it. It's another to have an actual strategy how to go about living that leadership. And my company focuses on outlining that idea and then helping people put it into practice. So I am really lucky. I get to travel 200 days a year. I get to work with really cool companies, uh, big dynamic organizations, as well as really cool not-for-profits and charities and schools. So I've got a job that I really, really like and one that allows me to sort of live that dream of constantly being on the go, constantly seeing the world and doing it, getting paid to do what I really like. So if you're looking to do that in life, Maybe I can offer a little bit of insight on how I ended up doing it and trying to offer some things that hopefully will allow you to do the same thing. Because there is something really, really good about getting up every day, being your own boss, getting to do something you love, and getting paid to do it. That is a cool deal. Absolutely. So most of our listeners are professional photographers, aspiring photographers, and you know, we are our own bosses, maybe to a smaller scale than a lot of the people that you work with. But your experience, I think, is directly relatable to um, what our listeners are going through in life, in their careers. Specifically, could you tell me a little bit about what inspired you to leave your job several years ago and go out on your own and do what you're doing? Yeah, it's interesting. I've never really heard it put as inspired me to leave my job. And and it's interesting because I guess you could look at it that way. I left my job because I was really unhappy. 
And I guess it's weird to think of inspiration as anything but good because we tend to get it conveyed as inspiration is a positive thing. So it's weird when you say inspired me to start my company. I, until you put it that way, I've always sort of looked back and thought I wasn't inspired to start my own company. I felt like I was forced to do it. I found myself in a situation where going to work every day caused me to feel physically ill. And I stayed in that for quite a while. Because, as a friend of mine once told me, the three most addictive things on the planet are crack, carbohydrates, and a salary. And I was really unhappy in what I was doing, but I had an incredibly secure job. I had a built-in raise every single year. I had full benefits. I could do graduate degrees for free if I wanted to. I worked for a really prestigious place in the University of Toronto. And so I overlooked how awful I felt on a daily basis doing my job because it was bringing me all the things I was taught a job was supposed to bring you. It was bringing me you know, financial security or what I thought was financial security at the time. There's a difference I realized between financial security that means you're getting paid every month and financial security that means you could survive without getting paid for a few months. There's a difference, but until you've had the latter, you start to think that the former is in fact financial security. So I left because I got incredibly unhappy at my job because, uh, you know, I talk a lot about values and I was working with someone who didn't have the same as I did. And, and we tried to work through it, but eventually it was a, a conflict powerful enough that I had to leave. And I used to think it was because of that, but now I realize I was an entrepreneur and did not realize it at the time. Because as you're growing up, being an entrepreneur, working for yourself, isn't really something that in grade five gets listed as a potential that you can be for the rest of your life. You're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, an architect, a fireman. No one's ever like, I want to have an entrepreneurial spirit and start seven startups. Like that's not something that you that you draw on uh, in grade five when they ask you what you want to do. So I did not realize that I was a bad employee because I didn't realize that being a bad employee was okay if you decided to go and work for yourself. That just wasn't an option. So what finally inspired me was I don't really think I had another choice. I had to choose between being miserable or working for myself. And I actually, believe it or not, well, that seems like a really simple decision. I was. It took me a long time to finally make it. I think I can relate to your not being happy in your job and, you know, feeling physically ill. And I can't remember if when we met, if I had just left my full-time job or if I was considering leaving my full-time job. But I remember complaining to you <laughs> about my job, I think. And it was, it was when I finally left it, it was a lot of the same thing. I was just not happy. Um, my body was actually physically achy, um, just didn't want to get up in the morning and go to work. So actually, the reason that I decided to do photography full-time was that Petro actually said to me, you know, why not? And I didn't have a good reason why I couldn't do photography full time. So it seemed like such a good idea just to, you know, quit doing what is making me unhappy and start doing what does make me happy. Um, so that's how I got to where I am. Now, I know that a lot of the people that will be listening to this, it's sort of a stereotype that with artists, um, there's some Mental illness issues are pretty frequent, and I know that you have dealt with some of this in your life, and I was wondering if you could uh, tell our listeners a little bit about that and how you deal with it. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's a stereotype as much as if you start to learn about mental illness, you start to realize that there are trends, that there are certain, uh, I don't even think it's that there are certain professions, but I think that certain people tend to get drawn to certain professions, and I think that Artists, in many ways, are about capturing the world and portraying it to people in a way that is particularly interesting. Uh, and I was going to say appealing, but it's not always. But artists tend to take a version of reality and process it through their particular eyes, ears, whatever, and put it out to people as a way of, of sort of processing it. And I think that if your way of looking at the world is different than most people's. That means that what you portray as your reality is probably going to be more interesting or compelling uh, in some way to other people. And for me, I was diagnosed in 2007 as having bipolar disorder. And when I found out about what bipolar disorder was, 
I it's like when you sort of see the end of a Quentin Tarantino movie and all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, now all this stuff makes sense. It's like putting that final piece in going, oh, okay, now I, I get it. But bipolar, for, for people who don't know, is uh, sw- swings between two vastly different polar opposite uh, mental states. Depression, which gets quite a bit of attention for good reason, this sort of feeling of an emptiness inside of you that no matter what you try to put into it, particularly things that have traditionally made you happy and excited about the world, and it doesn't. It just seems like there's an absence. Um, I have often said that depression is like walking uh, through a spider web, and uh, it's this horrible feeling, and you know it's not actually part of you, but it feels like it's actually melted into your skin. Like It, it, it has become a part of who you are. And if you substituted despair and sadness and emptiness and loneliness for the spider web. That's what depression feels like. That's one half of, of the bipolar experience. The other half, and you tend to unpredictably swing between the two, is mania or hypomania, which is an elevated mental state. So it's a feeling of energy and excitement and insight, and you feel funnier and more charismatic and more creative. And you often are in those moments, which sounds really good, to be honest. But the problem is it can also make you tremendously unaware of social cues because you feel so confident and because you feel so empowered and you get so many thoughts moving through your mind at such a quick pace that you don't necessarily recognize that you're making other people feel uncomfortable, that you're speaking at a pace where people can't track what you're saying or you're talking about so many different things at once that people feel as if they're like in a crazy carnival ride just talking to you. And it can also make you unaware that you're violating social conventions. You're saying things that are inappropriate. You are keeping conversations going when people clearly would like them to end. You take risks financially and socially, sexually, uh, with drugs and alcohol as a way of self-medicating because your brain is trying to find an equilibrium. And that was my experience growing up. And and early on, because the depression part of the disease tends to hit in your 20s and later, early on, that extra gear that I seemed to have really was helpful. You know, it made me get great grades and get involved in a lot of things and programs and extracurriculars that made me a really appealing student and a really appealing employee. What happened is it made me feel like I had to to live up to that. When you want to live up to people's perceptions of you, you don't consider options that you think might disappoint other people. And doing things like not working for a big firm or not working for an established company or not making a whole bunch of money relatively quickly, uh, you don't consider options that, that won't take you there. To be honest, I didn't realize this is what was impacting me. And, and because the bipolar tended to make me more confident, tended to make me more creative, tend to make it so that the next line or the next, the next part of a speech or the next story, the next joke just sort of showed up without me having to think about it. Uh, it made me really good at what I did. And the problem is it also made it so that I often would be self-destructive and I would op- often behave in ways that were destructive to people I cared about and relationships I cared about. The problem is often is that the treatment for this particular mental illness and some others makes creative people feel as if the thing that makes them feel alive, that fact that the next note or the next brush stroke or the perfect lighting just appears to them, it can take that away sometimes. And you get told that you get to live, but you have to give up the thing you live for. And so that to me is was a real challenge is that in a world where I, I traffic in ideas, right? I share ideas. To say that you are diagnosed with a mental illness is not something that you want to come out and do. Like in some ways saying the idea that, oh, a painter has some form of mental illness or an artist of some kind, it's almost as if, well, okay, that's, that's par for the course. That's what makes them genius, right? But my world is one of supposed to be uh, intellect, And any kind of weakness in the brain is certainly not seen as something desirable. And that's the problem when you start monetizing art, I think, is that if we simply say, oh, well, some artists deal with a different way of looking at the world, some artists, you know, deal with mental illness or some artists simply perceive the world differently. 
okay, that's great because I like their art. But I think then you also have to deal with the possibility that people don't necessarily trust you on a business sense. Like, oh, well, you know, uh, sure, I like Drew's speeches, but, you know, can we really trust a guy who's diagnosed with a mental illness to talk about how to make our business work well? Oh, can we really trust this person to be able to um, deliver on what they claim because, you know, artistic genius doesn't necessarily translate into business reliability. That's a challenge, right? And so that's what kept me quiet for a long time is that the stigma and the, I guess the stereotypes that surround what it means to have a mental illness make people feel that you can't be trusted and at least not in a business sense sometimes. And that was frustrating. So uh, being open about it though is what's necessary for me to be healthy. So if that costs me customers, that's okay because remaining ill and not getting the treatment I need is going to cost me a lot more than customers. So that's really what I want to focus on with you today, which is the fears around starting your own business or getting into a business that seems like it might be um, inconsistent um, or, you know, just difficult in general. So I have a few questions for you about starting a business and just how to make it through the first few years where, you know, you might not really be making any money and how not to lose your cool, how to stay positive. My first question is, you know, when I'm getting started and I'm not making money, where do I find the motivation to stick with it? And how do I stay positive and see the possible rewards down, down the line if I'm not seeing results right now? Well, I, th I think that's going to be different for everybody, but I think a big part for me, I had a relatively unique experience. Actually, you can't put qualifiers in front of the word unique, but I had a, I had a, a unique experience in that I did not leave my job until I was certain that I could, or pretty certain, that I was going to be able to make a living doing my business. And I think that there's something I, I've read people say, look, if you have a side job or if you're not fully committed to your business, it's not going to succeed. So you have to dive in. And if you don't succeed, then then like you have to completely throw yourself into it so that you have that desperation necessary. The problem is doing anything desperate very rarely brings out your best. One of the things I've often said when people start a business is we live in this world and this is a fascinating idea someone gave me once, I've never forgotten it, where we sort of have to deal with what I call, or not what I call, what they call the tyranny of the or. This idea that I have to work at my old job or I have to start my own business. There's a real beauty and a great deal more opportunity in the world when we embrace the opportunity of the and. All right, And we often divide all of our decisions right away into or decisions. I do this or I do this. I do that or I do that. And we very rarely simply take a moment to say, is there an and here? And I lived for two and a half years in the world of the and. I did what I now do professionally, and I worked at a job that took care of making sure that I could cover my rent and I could feed myself. When you're going to start doing something, it's best to give yourself the flexibility to fail and to allow yourself to build infrastructure. Two things. When I say infrastructure, what I mean is get yourself a foundation. That's a better word. Don't just say, okay, I'm going to go and try this. Prove it first. Everything in the world can be tested. And so I worked my regular job. And at the same time, I, on the side, did enough to make sure that, one, people were willing to pay for what I did. Two, that the work I did deserved to get paid for. And three, got to a point where the only thing keeping me from making more money at my new business was the fact that I was still working at my old job. And so there is a, I, I encourage everybody, make sure when you start out that, or if you're considering moving from a job to another one or to starting your own, make sure you're testing to see. There's an incredible book called So Good They Can't Ignore You. Why Skill Trumps Passion in the Search for Meaningful Work. The idea that if you wanna quit a job to start a farm or be a yoga instructor, that's awesome. As long as you're a good enough farmer or yoga instructor to get paid doing it. And I think that before you start your own business, you better make sure that one, you're good enough to get paid. Two, that people are going to pay you or willing to pay you. And three, that the work that you do is good enough to get paid. And I don't think 
that just starting without knowing that is a really good idea. Now, the other thing I'll say is that everything I think has to be approached in a longer term perspective. I lost over 100 pounds and the early portions of that were really frustrating because you don't see results, particularly in the first month or so. And that's when your whole life has changed. But then things start to move very, very quickly. The way I often say it is that you identify what you have to do on day one and you iterate that again and again. So I think it's really crucial to make sure that you don't put yourself in a position where you have to make things work in the first two months or the first six months or you're dead in the water. It might not be the most popular entrepreneurial advice, but I think make sure you're doing something that pays for rent and that pays for food at the same time that you're trying to get this going. But I will say this, never do a job that makes you feel comfortable while you're trying to get your business started. Like I often will say, do something crappy that you definitely cannot see yourself doing for the rest of your life. Nothing's going to kill your business faster than this desperate belief that it has to happen within three months because often building a foundation is going to take six to 12 to get going, to get your word out, to, to demonstrate that you've got skill. You are not failing if you're doing something part-time on the side to handle rent so that you can really make sure that you're, you've got more than three or four or five months to make your business work. On any given day in that weight loss journey, I saw zero results. Like on any given day from the beginning of the day to the end, I could not see any perceptible difference in what was going on. But when I stop at the end of every month and compare it to the end of the previous month, there had been a difference. And so because I had that experience, a lot of the things I do in life pivot back to that idea that often, whether it was how tall I ended up growing or how much weight I lost over that period of time, is that you very rarely in any given day see results. What you do is if you treat every day like it's the first day on your voyage to anything, weight loss, business success, and you simply identify what is it I have to do on that day one and do it every single day, you are going to recognize that you're getting towards what you want to do. What you're capable of on the 100th version of day one is always going to be more than you were capable of on the first version. But treat every day in your business like it's the first day. And I say that means you accept that, you know what, maybe I won't make any money today, but I have to put in the work that's going to lead to it. And that's why I often think that starting your own business should almost always overlap some other form of income because otherwise you probably don't have enough time to really let your business get it going. But I will also say whatever your other form of income is, don't be comfortable in it. Like any job that makes you comfortable is a job that you will stay in rather than go into the fearful world of entrepreneurship. Crack carbohydrates <laughs> and a salary are highly addictive. So don't fall into that trap. I hear you on that. I could really go for a cupcake right now. I'm not going to lie. What about when you make it to the 100th iteration of day one, when something in life, you know, pops up, sort of brings all of the hard work that you're putting into it to a screeching halt. What do you do then? I know that you have experienced some very stressful situations with your family recently um, and with your friends over the years. And what do you do when you need to be supporting yourself financially by working, but your brain just isn't there when there's something going on in your life that has your attention elsewhere? For me, it's this. If you're working for yourself, I hope that you're doing it, doing something that when you do it, it takes you somewhere else. I'm a huge baseball fan. Like, I love baseball. There's a, a movie, a Kevin Costner movie, because Say What You Will About Costner, he makes good baseball movies. And it's called For the Love of the Game. And right before he throws a pitch, he always just says, clear the mechanism. And everything just sort of becomes tunnel vision. It doesn't matter what's going on in my life. When I walk onto a stage, everything else falls away. And so one thing I would say is this. If you're working for yourself, it better be doing something that when you get into flow, when you get into the doing the work, everything else fades away and you are completely immersed in what you do. And if that's not how you feel when you do whatever it is that you're doing, don't start a business in it, okay? Now, I'm not always going to say that business will be easy, business will be good, but when you're doing the actual act of whatever your business is, 
when you're at an event and you're taking photographs, if any noise in your life is penetrating in, that's not truly what you love. Like, I can have the most ridiculously awful day. My father's in the hospital. We're dealing with the possibility we're going to lose him. But I walk onto a stage, and for that hour, I don't think about that. Because what I'm doing takes over everything about who I am at that moment. It's like my buddy Mike, um, who's this great singer-songwriter, and I asked him once if he could teach me how to play guitar. And uh, he goes, no. <laughs> and I'm like, why? Like, am I that hopeless as a musician? And he goes, oh, no, it's just I don't know how I play guitar. I just do. When you talk about how you deal with my dad being in the hospital, for instance, that's really hard. And when I'm not doing what I do, it was really hard. How am I going to find time to answer these emails, et cetera, et cetera. But ultimately, I realized that work is the thing that when I was doing it made all of that go away. Whatever your business is, it is your opportunity to escape. And we look at it from the outside and go, oh my God, how am I going to bounce work and this thing that's going on in my life? Well, use your work as a way to get back to normal. Because if you're making a living doing this, it should be your normal. You probably never feel more like who you're supposed to be than when you're taking photographs. I never feel like I'm more who I'm supposed to be than when I'm sharing ideas on a stage with people. And when you look at it that way, it isn't something where you're like, oh my God, how do I do this? It becomes, I can't wait to do this because it will bring normalcy back into my life for this period of time. That for me is how I get through difficult times because I'm a business owner. And if I look at it as a business and this obligation and this thing that I have to do, it can be really scary when it seems like there's other stuff going on in my life. But when I look at it as my opportunity to be fully who I am, when I say this business allows me to spend time taking photographs. And when I take photographs, I am happy and I am peaceful and I am me. That is, an, is a wonderful thing to have. It's not an obligation and it's not something you have to balance. It's something that you should welcome. I use my work as a way of dealing with the difficult things in my life. When my dad is sick, when I lose a friend, I say to myself, this is an opportunity to, in all of the chaos and all the things that are going on in your life, to say, be upset and don't feel like Drew and feel like life isn't awesome. Here is my opportunity to go and feel my happiest. That's what your work is. That's a good way of looking at it, I think. Now, I know that you are really big on asking yourself questions. I want to ask you, what questions do you ask yourself or what do you tell yourself at the end of every day to be sure that you're doing the right thing in life with your career, um, with you know your health goals? A big part of my work is the idea that uh, questions are a more powerful driver of human behavior than goals are and statements are. What I say, you know, if you look at everything as if it's day one, my goal in life is to be someone who adds value. My goal in life is to be someone who behaves every day in a way that makes it more likely I'll have a positive impact on my own life and on the lives of other people. Now, you didn't hear business goals in there. You didn't hear financial goals in there. What you heard is, who do I want to be? Because I think that money and jobs and success and prestige are the natural byproducts that come to people who add value every day. So for me, I thought about what are the values I want to embody every day as a person, all right? Not as a photographer, which I'm not, of course, but not <laughs> as a speaker, not as a leader. But this is what I say. I ask people, like, if someone followed you around for 30 days out of your life, they watched how you interact with clients, they watched how you interact with friends and with strangers, and I sat that person down at the end of 30 days and said, what are the values that this person embodies every day, personally and professionally? If you've been the man or the woman that you want to be, what three values or what five values, what one value do you hope that person says about you? So I have six questions that I actually ask oh my on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah, so you asked what one, like, but I got six. You know, what have I done today to recognize someone else's leadership because I want to have impact? I asked, uh, what have I done today that I thought might not work, but I tried it anyway to embody growth because we only grow outside our comfort zone, yeah, but that doesn't mean that you got to do these huge, giant, 
jump out of a plane or go whitewater rafting things to get out of your comfort zone. It means pick something every day that you think might not work and do it anyway. That's how you embody growth because that's where growth happens. I ask, how did I live today like it's my first day to embody passion and energy uh, and also humility because on your first day in anything, if you're faced with a problem, the first thing you do is ask, who can I ask for help? And the better we get at our jobs, the less likely we are to do that, right? So every day for empowerment, I ask, what did I do to make it more likely that someone else will move closer to a goal? I ask, how did I elevate a situation instead of escalating it today? Because leaders elevate situations, they never escalate them. They try to make people involved in the situation feel like they've succeeded as opposed to trying to make themselves feel like they won. Elevate, don't escalate will get you out of more trouble. Those three words when you're angry at a client or a coworker or a colleague. And finally, out of because self-respect is a value I want to embody, I ask, what did I do today to be good to myself? And look, you have to figure out what your own values are. You have to figure out what they mean, and you have to come up with your own questions. Every question should start, what did I do today or how did I? Because if you ask, oh, did I do my best work today? You can lie to yourself. You can say yes, no. But... If you ask, what did I do today that represents my best work? Then you have to pick a specific action, right? What, you have to say, I did this. What did I do today that makes it more likely my business will grow tomorrow? You know, if, that's, if business growth is important to you. What did I do today to demonstrate to someone that I'm grateful they are a client? Instead of saying, did I make my clients feel good today? Well, you could just say yes and not actually be specific as to how. But if by the end of every day you say, how did I make one client feel like I'm grateful for their business? That's the way that you'll make sure you do something every day. For me, though, it doesn't have to be business-related specifically. Figure out who you want to be in the world. If you think that you're shy, all right, what did I do today that showed courage, all right? Or what interaction did I instigate today that I probably would have preferred not to? By asking yourself, who do I want to be on a daily basis? And then making sure that you ask questions every day that do not allow you to go to bed without proving that you're that person. Like if you say honesty is important to you, but you can't specifically point to one moment in the day when you were honest. If you say generosity is important to you, but you can't point to one moment in the day where you demonstrated generosity, then they're not that important to you. And so you want to be a successful business person? Start by saying, what are the values I want to stand for every day? What words do I want people to use to describe me when I'm not in the room? And then say, okay, what questions am I asking myself every day that begin with how do I or what did I do that would make you identify a specific act that lives up to those values? Because if you're not doing it, then those values are nothing but words. Absolutely. I think that is a really good exercise for our listeners, actually. So I am going to officially challenge our listeners to come up with some questions for themselves um, that force them to answer uh, if they're living their values every day. And I want them to post it on the Facebook page in the comments for this episode. And I think I'm going to have to come up with some myself and maybe I will share those on, on a later episode. We've, we've known each other for quite a while, Uh-oh. and you're telling me that you don't have your questions yet? <laughs> um, no, I don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe you could help me with this exercise. <laughs> I'll send you the bill. Oh, thanks. <laughs> There's a little entrepreneurial spirit yeah, there. No, kidding. no problem at all. We could, we could possibly trade some photos for that. Oh, okay. We can work on that. We can work on that. <laughs> I have pulled some questions from our Facebook page. I asked, well, not questions, I guess, comments. I asked our subscribers what their biggest fears are about uh, going into business for themselves. I have two subscribers, actually, who describe the same fear. So Megan said, I was scared of failing, of not being good enough, and people not wanting to book with me, of closing down within the first year. And Eric said, mine has always been that I'm just not good enough. And I think that is a fear that a lot of people have going into any sort of business. Um, obviously, there is some substance to it, especially for photographers whose work is partially based on their past experience, on their portfolio, and that, you know, potential clients really love their work and want to book with them. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I mean, failure is a natural fear. A big part of it is that we went through an education system 
that taught us that you begin with 100% and then every mistake you make, you lose points and you can't get them back. Which means without us being aware of it, we were immediately educated into caring less about how good we're getting and more about how few mistakes we made along the way. And as a result, our focus has been pulled from where we are in terms of our skill level to how little we screwed up to get there. And the problem is very rarely does skill level increase without screwing up along the way, without iteration and without experimentation. And so I think fear is a natural problem there. I think the other one, too, is that, you know, I, Megan said, what is, uh, I'm, not, I'm afraid that I'm not good enough. Uh, and was Eric, was Eric the other one? Saying, okay, this phrase is, I'm not good enough. And my question is, good enough for what? Because are you good enough to be considered the greatest photographer on the planet? I don't know. That's a pretty small uh, group of people, right? Are you good enough to get paid for what you do and make the people who paid you happy? That is the question of business. See, this is the difference between pulling business and art apart, all right? I'm not good enough to be happy as an artist. Well, guess what? As an artist of any kind, and even I'm sort of one of myself because I create things and put them out for people to consume and evaluate. I'm never good enough for me, but I am good enough to have people pay me and have them be happy with what they got. And that, I think, is what you have to think about. Is that, are you scared of failing? What are you scared of failing at? Are you scared of failing at being one of the world's great photographers? Or are you scared of failing of delivering what people are asking for? Because the first fear is never going away. And that's what makes you great at what you do, is this fear that it's not quite where you want it to be, and you get this desire to always be better. But that's a different fear than saying, is my work good enough to make the people who paid for it happy? And that's the question that you have to deal with in business. Because as long as you're always trying to make yourself happy, then it's very likely that you're going to deliver high quality work to the people who paid for it. Most people don't know enough about photography to pass judgment on whether or not you're a good enough photographer to, let's say, grace the cover of National Geographic. But they do know if they're happy with what you gave them. And as a business person, your job is not to please yourself. Your job is to please the people who pay you to deliver services. Problem is, is that you've been taught that making a mistake or not being perfect means that you've lost points, means that you're not good enough, means that you're being graded down. And that's not the job. The job is not to be the greatest photographer in the world. The job is to deliver what you, people want and make them happy with what they get. And if you can do that, then honestly, you're, you can be a business person. You can deliver these services. And here's the thing about business. You'll find out very quickly if you're not good enough. So don't be afraid of finding out. You need to find out. If this is what you want to do for a living, you need to find out whether you can deliver what people want take their money and have them be happy with what you delivered to them. And you know what? Work hard to do that. But if you're not, well, that's going to become clear. And so don't be afraid of it. Go and do it. And if it unfortunately turns out that you're not, well, then you know that now and you better do something else. The secret is that, you know, most of your clients cannot tell the difference between you, the person who is starting out, and someone who has been doing it for 20 years. Um, they can't tell the difference between your photos, looking at your website, for example, but they're going to be a lot more happy with the photos that you give them if the experience that they had with you was positive. So if they enjoyed working with you, if you were really responsive to their emails, to their text messages, to their phone calls, and if they generally had fun working with you, they're going to be happy with your photos. That is what I have found working with people. Just if they're happy, they like the photos. And it, at that point, then you're more than good enough. They're going to talk about you. You're going to get referrals. That's, that's really how you do it. You don't worry so much about, are my photos good enough? Because for the next 50 years of you being a photographer, you're going to think every couple of months, man, I suck. All of my photos are terrible. <laughs> and you're going to keep improving. That is the joy of this business. And hey, like, look, I'm really good at, at what I do at least in the eyes of other people, <laughs> right? Like, 
because I get to do it. I get to do it more than most people in my industry. You know, I get more bookings than most people in my industry, and I get paid more than most people in my industry. And I tell you that just because I want you to know I'm scared all the time. <laughs> like that, this is going to be the speech that everybody finally goes. No, that's <laughs> like that. Every single time I walk on stage, there's this fear. Like, okay, is this going to be the time when it, it turns out I'm not any good? And, and I think that. It's just a natural part of being human. Megan and Eric, it is way better to be decisive in life and business than it is to be certain because you can be decisive and you will never be certain. You will never be certain your stuff is good enough. You will never be certain that you're going to be successful at this, but all you can do is decide. I remember back in, in university, there was a guy I knew and like when it came to dating, he was just unreal. Like, Everyone he wanted to go out with would go out with him. So I asked him, I'm like, like, man, how do you pull this off? And he gives that crappy ass answer that people like that always give you. Oh, it's just confidence, man. It's just confidence. <laughs> and here's the thing. That's a crock, just so you know, okay? And, and I watch way too many people, particularly young entrepreneurs and artists too, because like artists, your work is constantly being evaluated by other people, right? Academics in many ways the same way. And so there's like, oh, I got to feel more confident. Look, happiness and success is not primarily determined by confidence. Confidence is acting or feeling like something doesn't scare you. Courage is far more important because courage is acknowledging that something scares you and doing it anyway. Courage is taking action in the face of potential loss. And, what, and look, I study leadership for a living, and I will tell you the true thing that sets apart successful people and leaders from others is not confidence, it's courage. I know lots of people who have no confidence or very little confidence, but they have tremendous courage whenever they need it. Because confidence can exist without action. You could just say, oh, I'm not afraid of it. Or you can act like you're not afraid of it. But you don't have to do anything. You can just act like you're not afraid. Courage only exists when there's the potential of loss and you take action anyway. So courage is far more important than confidence. So here's what I'd say to Megan and Eric. Don't worry if you don't feel confident. Make sure you have the courage to take action and put your stuff out there. Well, I think that brings us directly to another one of the fears here that I think maybe you can help this girl with. Um, her name is Laura, and she says, it's hard being in the business when you are shy. I fear failure or that I won't be able to progress to the level I want to because I rely on word of mouth and my portfolio attracting people. Because talking to people and selling myself is a giant no thank you. Talking to people and selling myself is a giant no thank you? Yes. <laughs> uh, then business is probably a giant no thank you too. Selling yourself and talking to people is entrepreneurship. All right? And, and I don't say this to be discouraging, but I will say this. A big part of getting what you want in life is figuring out what you have to give up. And... If you want to be in business for yourself, if you want to sell your work, at least at first, you're going to have to give up thinking of yourself that way. And it's fine if you are shy, okay? Shy people don't, there's nothing wrong with being shy. As a matter of fact, we could do with a little bit more shyness in the world sometimes, a little bit less look at me-ness. And that's coming from a guy who makes his profession out of basically saying, look at me. But... Shyness doesn't mean that you lack the things that you really need to talk to people and sell yourself, okay? You know what sells you is quality of work, dependability, kindness, responsiveness, empathy, all right? These are not things that require extroversion. It is hard to be in business when you are shy. And fearing failure, we've already talked about, is a natural thing. Look, I'm not going to tell you not to feel failure. You should all fear failure. But you should fear it and do stuff anyway, okay? Because otherwise, you're not going anywhere. And I know that sucks. It's awful. Like, I wish I could give you some magical thing being like, oh, well, here's how not to fear failure. If you don't feel failure, probably something bad is going to happen to you. Fearing things, the reason we feel fear is to protect ourselves. But the key to business and life and happiness is recognizing what you fear and then being strategic about taking action in the face of that fear anyway. Here's the thing. Talking to people and selling yourself 
is a giant no thank you, that can't be your approach to business. It has to be talking to people and selling myself is something I'm going to have to work on. And, and it's possible. And I know you probably think it, it, it isn't. But look, when I was 300 and some pounds, the possibility of getting up and walking and then running and then working out, the possibility of giving up something that brought me pleasure in the food that I ate was an awful feeling. It was horrible. But I had to give that stuff up. I had to give up watching TV instead of walking. I had to give up pizza, well, at least five times a week anyway, in order to get the things that I want. So if you want to do this, if you don't want to be beholden to somebody else for the rest of your life, if you want to be able to say, I'm going to determine how I do business and when I do business, then ultimately you have to say, talking to people and selling myself is something I am not comfortable with and I am not good at. I'm going to commit myself to giving up that perception of myself and working to change it in some ways. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be big and outgoing and look at me. I want to point out that success in business is what I said. It's being offering quality work, meeting your commitments, and showing kindness and empathy and showing an understanding of what your customers want and being responsive to them. And in today's world, that can be done without having to do a whole lot of face-to-face stuff. But being shy doesn't mean you're at a disadvantage. It means that you have skills that other people who are a little bit more like me might not have and figuring out how to leverage them more effectively. Some people don't love in your face. Some people don't love, oh, look how great I am. What are the strengths that being shy gives you that you can leverage to be better at what you do? I think what you said here is you're like, oh, selling yourself means talking. Selling yourself means doing at a high level of quality in a way that customers are responsive to. Selling doesn't mean talking. Selling means showing. People don't respond to talk. They respond to the actions that make them feel confident and the actions that make them feel understood and the actions that make them feel safe. And you can take actions that make people feel confident in you, safe and understood. And that that's how you sell yourself. That's a really great answer. Thanks, Drew. No problem. I think that's about all that we have time for today. Where can people find you, Drew? Dayoneleadership.com. That's D-A-Y-O-N-E leadership.com. That's my website. We have a blog where we talk about values and the questions you can use to live them every day. We do a podcast uh, where we talk about a lot of the things that we, we chat a little bit today, like what are we talk to successful leaders and we say, what are your values and how do you live them on a daily basis? And as well as some videos there as well. I'm on Twitter at day one leadership, but that's D-A-Y and the number one leadership. And I'm on, uh, we're on Instagram as well at day one leadership for the company and day one drew uh, for, uh, for me personally. Although a whole bunch of photographers looking at my Instagram will probably be a little bit intimidating, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, look, it's, it's hard to do this, but ultimately, I guess that big thing is that, you know, it's a lot, it's more important to be decisive than certain in business. It's more importantly to be decisive than certain in, in life because look, what if it doesn't work out? That's okay. Like, is the thing like, do I work some crappy job that I don't really like in the hopes of eventually being a professional photographer and if you then try to be a professional photographer and it doesn't work out well then you go back and you used to go back to work in the job that you were capable of doing before and then you figure out what's next but the worst thing would be to be like i'm just not sure so i'll never find out like that is awful right like it was to me i once looked in the mirror and it was like why are you still at this job And it was like, because I was afraid that in three years I would look in the mirror and I would be disappointed in myself. That I would have been like, you were supposed to be making more money, you were supposed to be more successful, and here it is three years from now and you're not. And then I realized if in three years I was still working at this crappy job just for the money, I'd be way more disappointed in myself. So like, I don't know all that much about photography, and I'm not a business expert. I'm actually probably kind of a lousy business person. My business plan is make more money than I spend. But offered really, yeah, offer really good quality work and, and you'll be okay. But 
like when you don't know what to do in a situation, personally and professionally, ask yourself, what would the person who I want to be do in this situation and then do that? That's life and business. So Laura, if you're shy and you're in this moment where you're like, oh, this is a big no thank you. I don't want to talk here or I don't want to communicate. I don't want to sell myself. What, ask yourself, what would the person I want to be do? And then do that. And I guarantee you, you can. Like, uh, maybe this is cliched, and I, I just found out it's from a movie, but a guy after a speech once came up to me and asked me if I talked to his friend who had really powerful social anxiety. And uh, I said, sure. And this guy was really cool. But every few minutes in the conversation, he'd actually have to walk off and sort of compose himself and then come back to the conversation. And he kept apologizing for it. And I said, like, no, I, I know people who deal with, with really powerful anxiety. And so I, this takes a lot, of, a lot of, like, bravery to do what you're doing, to talk to a stranger. And he goes, when you have what I have, I've discovered your success in life is pretty much determined by how often you're willing to ask yourself, am I capable of five seconds of extraordinary courage right now? And that, to me, like, that's it right there. All of us are capable of five seconds of extraordinary courage at any given moment. We may not think we have the courage to deal with what's going to happen a minute after we do it or five minutes or a week or whatever. But at any given moment in your life, you are capable of five seconds of extraordinary courage in that particular moment. We've all got it at all times. Thanks so much, Drew. Thank you so much for, for thinking enough of me to ask, uh, to bring me on. And those were amazing questions. And I hope that uh, your people find them helpful. I sounded so smart, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You, you, I, I'd say 51%, 49%. So yeah, that's, yeah. That's 51 me, you, right? You made it. 49 absolutely. him. <laughs> absolutely. I hope, I hope Drew hung up by now and can't hear. <laughs> but uh, um, I really, I really like your point about uh, communicating through through media and um, basically how photographers can sell themselves. It's uh, well, the the entire the entire the entire interview was amazing, um, and how you addressed uh, the fears. Um, wow, I'm really glad uh, we, we had him. We had him on. Yeah, me too. Uh, I think he gave a lot of really good insight into how to deal like practically with fears rather than, you know, just yeah. making people feel better. I think he gave some real ideas that people can use when they're feeling a little bit down at work or when they're a little bit scared about starting a business. Um, right. One of the most important things I got from talking with Drew is it's not necessarily about confidence. It's about courage. And, mm. you know, leaving a job, starting your own business takes a lot of courage, not necessarily confidence. So have the courage to do it, stay motivated, stay positive and work hard at it. And that's what's yeah. going to get you far in it. And despite whether or not you get encouragement from others, you need to do it for yourself. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It, and it takes a really long time. I think uh, you might recall a time where I was the one encouraging you to leave your work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> you can do it. And I'm, I'll take credit for at least two other people that have done that. I won't mention their names just in case they're back at work somewhere else <laughs> but um yeah we, i mean we can we can be slaves to our fears and uh really at the end of the day it's it's what you do with it and uh kind of how you handle it so a uh, fantastic job thanks so that wraps it up for episode five uh what uh what do you think we should tell our listeners well of course those questions that i challenged everyone to come up with you should be posting those in the comments for this episode in our Facebook group. So you can find our Facebook group at doubleexposure.show slash Facebook, or if you search Double Exposure Show, you can join the Facebook group that way. And I definitely want to hear your questions. And remember to ask yourself these questions every day and be accountable yeah. to yourself because this will help make sure that you're really doing what you should be doing in life and in your career. Also, if you have iTunes in the search field, uh, in the podcast uh, window, type in double exposure show. You will see our show come up and hit subscribe. 
you will like what's to come. Uh, when you listen to an episode or two and you feel confident that, yeah, I want to share my five-star review, go ahead and write that review with a five-star rating and we would love to share it with all the other listeners. Yeah, definitely. On that note, yeah. On that note, I think that's it for today and uh, until next time. Yeah.